Welcome to the Carry On Cast, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where the pastors get together, talk about what's coming up in worship. I'm Pastor Steve Thomason, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Pastor Megan Torkerson. And Pastor Brandon is still on sabbatical. He's still on sabbatical. Lucky dog. I am really grateful that he has remained the heck away. He is following the rules. Good on him. And speaking of sabbatical, Mm. for those of you who listen in real time, it is uh, coming up to July, and next week our whole staff will be on sabbatical. So we may or may not have a podcast next week. We'll (laughs) let you know. Uh, yeah, but it is worth noting, folks, that the that the office will be closed next week. Staff will be away, so uh, the pastor on call number will still be accessible to you. There will still be worship on Sunday, but otherwise, staff are going to be k- taking a break. It's a good thing. Thank you to the congregation for that beautiful gift. Yes. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to b- talk about what's coming up in worship mm. this week. And this week, as we continue our series, Renewing Worship, we have been talking each week about a different aspect or component of a worship service, what it means, why we do it, and how we might renew our understanding of it as we come into this post-pandemic reality. And this week, we are looking at communion. Um, so communion, uh, I want to start off, uh, Pastor Megan, just talking about uh, communion as in general, thinking about, you know, we've, we've established that Worship is essentially being gathered by God as the body of Christ, the family of God, in a place around two things, the Word of God and this thing that we call sacrament, so that we can be sent into the world to carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Well, today we come to our first sacrament, and could you quickly define what is a sacrament? Sure. Quickly is, I think, the key word here because uh, sacrament is complicated. And depending on your tradition, you're going to have a different understanding of it. Uh, For Lutherans, uh, one of the quickest and easiest definitions that I heard of how Lutherans understand sacrament is that, first of all, that it is a gift of God's grace. So it is a way in which God's love and mercy and forgiveness are, are bestowed upon us. There's a physical element attached. So there's a there's a physical component to it. In baptism, it would be water. In communion, it would be bread and wine. And then finally, that it was commanded by Christ. So it's something that Jesus said you should do. So if you, friends, come from a Catholic tradition, for instance, you have way more sacraments on your list because you're just working with a different definition of, of what a sacrament is. So for Lutherans, we only have the two. We just have communion and baptism because they both communicate God's grace to us. They both have a physical element. So there's a, a, you know, this understanding that Lutherans like to use the phrase, the finite contains the infinite, uh, which is a fancy way of saying a normal thing can be fully imbued with God's full presence somehow, mysteriously, um, and that Jesus told us to do it. And that generally speaking, if Jesus has told us to do a thing, we should be paying attention. So that's a, a real fast definition of sacrament. Yeah, that's really good. So when we come together for worship, if we're gathered around uh, the word, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, and sacrament, so we should expect that a worship service should either have a communion or a baptism in it. In some way, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair enough. There, there will be plenty of Lutheran services where you will encounter neither. 
it's still legitimate, but I think it it reminds you that, you know, this isn't how we continually exist in a worship framework, that we should be always saying, okay, I mean, we might not have experienced sacrament this week, but next yeah. week, right? Like, we're going to get there. There is, if you look, for instance, in the uh, Lutheran hymnal, the ELW, that there will be something called just service of the word, which is to say, we recognize that sometimes your worship service will just, you don't see me doing air quotes, friends, just the word as opposed to word and sacrament. And churches might choose to do a service of the word for any number of reasons, from from as uh, crass as the schedule doesn't permit it, to as complicated as you don't currently have an ordained pastor who can preside, uh, and anything in between. Yeah, that's great. And so it's like from a purely logistic standpoint, some churches make a choice because they have a one-hour time frame, mm-hmm. and it's hard to pack everything you want with all the good music yes. and all the good word yes. and the sacraments and children's Sunday school are wanting you to be done on time. That right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes we alternate. So right. one week's a communion week and the next week's a baptism week. Right. And you hope you have a baptism, right. enough baptisms to fill in all of those. So, and you might not. And yeah. you keep going on. And Christ is present anyway. Yeah. So as you can tell, there aren't hard and fast rules. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into the next phase, you know, of communion itself has been historically one of the most controversial topics in the Christian church. And like if you go back and study your history at the Reformation Mm -hmm. when Martin did his deal and all heaven or hell broke (laughs) loose depending on which perspective you're coming from. A little bit of both sometimes at the same time. Uh, You know, of course, the reformers or the rebels – had lots of issues with the Roman Catholic Church. But even among the protesters, the Protestants, they fought amongst themselves about communion. Like, what is it? So let's start from the very beginning, from the basics. Communion is when you gather together and you take bread and you take wine. Or grape juice, depending on your tradition. Or grape juice, <laughs> yes. A fruit of the vine. There it is. Um, and you remember what Jesus did with his disciples. And so what Jesus did with his his disciples was celebrate the Passover meal, which begs a question. What What's is the, the Passover, Passover meal? <laughs> so before we read the text for today, let me just do a quick history, right? Mm. So uh, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people of whom Jesus and his disciples were 100% Jewish in their ethnicity, in their culture, in their imagination of the universe, their primary story that defined who they were was the story of the Exodus. As the people of Israel were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, God raised up Moses to deliver them from slavery It was a showdown of Yahweh, the creator God, to all the gods of Egypt. And the ten plagues came. The tenth plague was the death of the firstborn of every household, which was a direct um, reflection of when the Pharaoh killed all the firstborn of the Hebrew slaves. And so, but God provided a way to escape this plague. And if you took the blood of a lamb and took the blood and put it on the doorposts, 
then the death angel would come and pass over your household. And in the process of that, they would be able to leave quickly. So they made quick bread. They made unleavened bread that you could make super quick. You could leave overnight and huge miracle. God defeats the most powerful empire army in the world at that time. And these slaves are free. God saves us. Woohoo! Let's sing a song. That was last week's topic. And this right in the middle of it, God says, now here's a meal that I want you to have. And it is an actual meal. It's not a ritual with a little wafer and a little shot glass of wine. It's a full-on meal that you eat all kinds of food and every piece of that food. There's actually four glasses of wine. There's three pieces of unleavened bread, all of these things. It's called a Seder. It retells the story of God's salvation. And bread and wine at its most basic element, bread and wine throughout Hebrew culture has been a symbol of God's provision for life. It's a symbol of the Garden of Eden that because in the Hebrew world, bread was the staple of life. It was the most basic food and wine. They didn't drink a lot of water because water would hurt you. You actually have to have alcohol to kill the to, bad to stuff. To keep the water clean. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So bread and wine, God provides that's it. So for thousands of years, hundreds of centuries, the Jews were supposed to have been celebrating this meal once a year, not every week, just once a year. And so when Jesus sits down on the night in which he was betrayed. Those are familiar words, familiar Pastor words. Steve. Yeah. Oh. He took the bread. Our Lord Jesus took bread. Br- took bread. He broke it. Yeah. And he gave it to his disciples. And, and said... said Wait a minute. Oh, wait. That's not in the, that's not no. in the words. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, he said, he said <laughs> this is the body of that little lamb and the way God provides throughout history is what they thought he was going to say. Because that's what you're supposed to you're say supposed in the Passover meal. Right. That's what but he said, expected. this is my body. Can you imagine what his disciples thought in that moment? He's like, I, you got... Jesus, you got the wrong script. Right. What's right, happening? Right. They're, they're standing up like, ah, uh, excuse me, Rabbi. Oh, uh. Uh, what's, what? Well, okay, keep going. Right. <laughs> and then right? he said, and this is, and he takes the cup, one of the four cups. Right. And he says, this is now my blood, the new covenant, which is, and it's shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Like, what is he yeah, talking what? about? Only God is supposed to be yeah. able to forgive sins, as people have complained throughout the Gospels. And then he says something that we don't actually say in our inst- words of institution. He says, I will not drink this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of heaven. And that's probably a whole nother podcast mm. of what does that even mean. Mm-hmm. But our text for today is found in 1 Corinthians, Mm. which is an interesting. Pastor Megan, you chose this text. Now, of all the texts you could have chosen, because every gospel tells this story, you chose Paul's version. Why? Yes. So for a couple of reasons. One is uh, because I think the context of this story of why Paul is talking about communion is so interesting, especially given, Pastor Steve, what you just talked about, about how Christians for about 2,000 years now have been fighting over who gets to take communion, how you take communion, who gets to lead communion, what should you use, should it be grape juice? Paul, we can see this happening. I mean, Jesus has barely ascended into heaven and those fights are already happening. And so Paul is reminding people of what happened, what Jesus did and when and how in the midst of a confrontation about communion. I thought that was 
really interesting to say when if we're talking about renewing worship if we're talking about considering what communion is what it means for us and how it leads us into this new reality i think it's kind of interesting to talk about what happened for a community that had to face those kinds of questions really early on? Why don't you paraphrase what comes before mm. it, then read the actual text, and then paraphrase the follow-up. So, Paul, uh, as Pastor Steve has talked to us about uh, in some of these epistles from Paul, remember that these are letters. We are looking into someone's kind of private letter to a community. And in this letter that Paul is writing, he is he's addressing some real problems. And in this situation, there's some real, would you say, kind of economic societal division going on in the church in Corinth. And so some people are being very much included based on who they are and what they have. And some people are being very much excluded in particular of the if they are of lower lower socioeconomic status and one of those things that's really standing out is that as they're celebrating the lord's supper together some people are deciding that it's party time and they're going to eat all the food and they're going to drink all the wine and they're going to keep it for themselves and exclude people who they think are maybe less important less worthy less of a big deal um Pastor Steve, could that be a problem in one's experience and understanding of the Lord's Supper? Oh, yeah. So, but, but I, I do want to interject something. The context of this is huge, and it's so interesting mm. because for the first church, first of all, all churches for the first 300 years of church history were house churches. So right? so you mean the fact that we've been primarily worshiping in our home over the past year and a half maybe has really solid historical context? If we were together, it would have. <laughs> they didn't do it alone no, in their no, homes. No, 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 no. Isolation is tough. But digital but connection. Digital, digital connection, connection. Yes. But yeah. But they were they were in house. Be- and, and the second thing is that the communion meal was a potluck, right? The, the expectation was that people would bring the food. It wasn't just a little wafer and a little yeah. shot glass. When we're talking a meal, we are talking a, a meal. meal. And, and and so what's happening is the rich people are bringing all this food and they're eating their own food and the poor people have no food to bring and they're coming to the table and they're eating nothing. And Paul's like, um, I think the point of this is that everybody gets to eat. <laughs> or as he says, uh, when you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What, do you not have homes to eat and drink in? I mean, it's literally, those are the verses That's leading up to our verses scripture. today. Paul Here is the reading, right? angry. <laughs> so then, so read the text itself. So what, it, what we're reading from on Sunday is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then this is, is starting with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's the reading. And if those words sounded familiar to you, that is because this passage in particular is from where we get 
our what we call the words of institution. Those are the words that an ordained pastor stands in front of the congregation and says before we have communion together. And I just want to be clear, folks, that uh, it's not because Pastor Steve or I are magical and can make that terrible styrofoam wafer and uh, and wine from the fridge in the back. Um, we don't magically make those things into Jesus. It is it is God who does the work. We say the words. But I'm going to argue that God would do the work whether we said the words or not, and now the heresy police are going to come for me. So at any rate, we say these words or a version of them in the words of institution every time we take communion and, together. And in all honesty, the the I from my perspective, again as an outsider, the the real reason why a pastor needs to be present is not because of that, you know, like Pastor Megan said, it's not, not a magical, magical thing. It's that to to make sure that the congregation actually understands what they're doing and that things are done in a good and proper order. Much to Paul's uh, original, original point, point here, in, yes. Yeah, because things had gotten out of order, out of control in that church. And so the ELCA particularly has said, we want to make sure that congregations are doing this properly. And so a, a rostered clergy has been properly trained, and we trust that. So that just puts like safeguards around our sharing of communion. It's not because we're better or more holy. And it's and there's also something communicated about oh, this is actually communion, yeah. right? This is this is this is a real thing, and we know it because oh. There is an ordained pastor in front of us. Yep. Okay, this is what we're doing. There's uh, Pastor Steve used the words good order, and that's the language that the ELCA will often use as to why an ordained pastor should be the one presiding over mm -hmm. communion. Good order, not because they have some sort of magic power, but because they have been, like you said, appropriately trained and commissioned because we are people who who feel the call to to lead the church in this particular way and we were called to the work of word and sacrament so it's kind of a mutual thing mm -hmm. um and uh, and that's how our tradition does it yeah. and it's worth noting that other traditions do it in other ways oh so many other Woo! ways but pastor megan we're, we're running out of time already what? this is such a huge topic and before we started recording we talked about how like how do we even focus yeah. this week on mm. such a big topic but i want to ask you this in the context of a renewing worship series here at easter lutheran church mm -hmm. as we're moving into a post-pandemic reality mm -hmm. why communion right and especially I want to ask why communion when for many of us, we've been doing one of two things, either celebrating on our own at our table or maybe not celebrating at all. I mean, I want to leave space for the fact there are some of you who probably haven't had communion since February of 2020. I think it is one of those many pieces of not just our worship life, but also just our, our faith that I don't want to take for granted anymore. I don't want to walk through, just go through the motions and go, oh, this is how it always is. This is what we always do. I want to think about it. What is going on here? What are we really participating in when we are participating together as a full faith community in Holy Communion? What does it mean to hear these words? You know, this is my body given for you. This is my blood. What What does that mean for us? I don't want us to just go, oh, yeah, this is this is what we do. Why do we do it? What mm. is it? What does it mean to receive this gift of God's grace in a in a in a very physical, tangible something you can literally taste? Um, and we're doing it because it is something that that Jesus Himself has handed on to us. Mm. I want us to be able to 
to sit in that for a while. Mm-hmm. I want us to really be able to consider mm-hmm. that uh, and, and not do it anymore just because we're supposed to. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I'll say um, a few weeks ago when I got, had the opportunity to lead worship uh, the, for the first time for me, where mm. we actually shared communion in person together in our both of our worship spaces on the hill at the lake. And it was a powerful moment for me, and I could tell that it was a powerful moment for everyone in that room to, to have those words spoken, to just to do the thing that even though it has divided us for centuries as Christians, it also is the one thing that unites us. Yeah. Because Christians take communion. Because it is, it is however you imagine it, it is the body of Jesus. Right, right. And it is how we remember who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, and who we are as the body of Christ. And uh, it's just such a great thing. So, listener, as you, uh, wherever you're at and you're re-entering life, I, I hope that that first moment, if you have not yet had it, will be a very special time to reconnect to this family meal. And so we thank you again for tuning in to this podcast that we love sharing with you here at Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Ooh.